In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study tonight chapter 13 from the Gospel of St. Matthew. And this chapter is one of the very important chapters in the Scriptures because it contains many parables that the Lord actually uh, taught the people uh, by them. So in this chapter, we'll study the purpose of parables, why God used parables to teach the people, and uh, also we'll study what the parables reveal about the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke to the people in parables. Actually, in this chapter, there are seven parables. And he gives the reason why he is teaching in parables, uh, as well as the explanation of two parables uh, that his disciples found difficult to understand. So in this chapter, the Lord will explain to us why he used parables, and also he will explain two parables from the seven parables. And clearly, the goal, as the Lord Jesus Christ explained, the goal of speaking in parables in order to separate the truth seekers from the curiosity seekers. Listeners to the Lord Jesus Christ or his hearers were, did, were, were divided into two groups. Some people listen because they are searching for the truth. And some people listen because they were curious. And many times when we come to the church, we come with the attitude, we want to know the truth because the truth will set us free. But sometimes when we come and we ask a question, not because we are learning the truth, but just out of curiosity. And actually, at the end of the chapter, we will see how the Lord, when he returned to his city, to Nazareth, to Galilee, and he entered the synagogue to teach how he found resistance and he found actually unreceptive audience, unreceptive audience. We can classify or divide this chapter, chapter 13, into three sections. The first section is about the parables. And as I told you, there are seven parables. Uh, they are called the kingdom parables. The seven parables are the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds among the wheat, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the yeast, the parable of the hidden treasure, the parable of the pearl of great price, and the parable of sorting of good and bad fish. So these are the seven parables. And this is the first section of chapter 13. Second section, it is an instruction on how to understand the teaching of the Lord on the kingdom of heaven. And this we can find it from verse 51 to 53. And the last four, five verses from verse 
54 to 58 it is how the Lord Jesus Christ was rejected in his own town in his own city in Nazareth as we said before the gospel of Saint Matthew revolve about five discourses five discourses discourses mean like long speech the first one was uh, the sermon on the mountain the second one the commission of the twelve when he sent the twelve and gives them the instruction uh, about their ministry the third discourse actually is the parables chapter 13 so chapter 13 is the third discourse and it is on the parables of the kingdom the last three parables is about the judgment judgment in the last day the the kingdom compared to hidden treasure kingdom compared to the pearl of great price and kingdom compared to the sorting the good and bad fish in this chapter actually the Lord used the word kingdom 12 times 12 times and for this reason chapter 13 is called the seven kingdom parables the seven kingdom parables let's start by the first part of Matthew chapter 13 on the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore the fact that the Lord came out of his house and sat by the sea it is a signal that he is ready to teach he is ready to meet the people and starting to teach them the sea here is the sea of Tiberias and once the Lord sat by the sea as it was the custom a large crowd assembled so uh, the Lord Jesus Christ when he saw the large crowd he relocated and he entered one of the boats most probably belonging to Saint Peter and the boat was uh, placed just off uh, the shore line in order to give the crowd the advantage to both see and hear the Lord Jesus Christ and this discourse is considered a turning point in the public teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ because now he is not speaking plainly like in the Sermon on the Mountain or when he gave instruction to the 12 disciples but now he is speaking in parables that's why it is considered a turning point verse 3 then he spoke many things to them 
in parables saying the word parable actually means or represent comparison to inspire a deeper thought so I compare something to something else in order to inspire a deeper thought that's what parable means so here actually the Lord used comparison between the truth of his teaching and events of everyday life so he will use everyday life and events from their everyday life as parable to inspire them about the truth of the kingdom of God. The first parable, all of you know it, it is the parable of the sower. Verse 3, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. So, here actually the Lord is comparing between different kinds of soil. When we interpret a parable, we should know that everything in the parable is symbolic. And why the Lord started by the parable of the sower? Actually, Palestine at that time, there was green land on every side. So actually the figure here was very familiar to every hearer. Uh, in Palestine at that time, they did not have farmhouses, but everybody lived in town or villages. That's why the farmer goes out to sow. And sowing was done by hand. They carry seed and then actually they sow uh, the seeds into the ground by hand. Uh, so this was a common farming technique in which most of the seed was expected to produce healthy plants. When they sow by hand, they were expecting that most of the seed will produce good fruit. Uh, the Lord here spoke about four types of land. The wayside, the stony land, the thorny land, full of thorns, and the good land. Number four represents the world, because there are four sides, east, west, north, and south. So number four represents the whole world. So here, 
God actually is speaking about the whole world here, which means his word, the seed, will reach everybody in the world. And the difference here is in the land, because the seed was the same, and the sower was the same. But what made difference is the type of the land. The wayside, there is no depth. It's exposed. So actually, when the seed fell on the wayside, what happened? The birds of the air came and ate it and devoured it. And this actually represents the person who is not protecting his heart or his mind. So he is the target of the attacks of Satan. Satan will come and attack him. And because he does not guard his senses, he does not guard his heart, so even any word he hears it, he will lose it immediately. The second type is the stony. Stony places have little ground, but also it is hard and rocky. There are a lot of rocks. So the roots cannot actually strike down into the ground because of the rocks and cannot actually go down into a sufficient depth in order to get the moisture to support the plant. That's why, because of the little depth, they sprang up immediately. They will bring fruit immediately, sooner, because of the little dirt to cover them. But because they are not rooted in that deep moist, actually, they cannot endure the heat of the sun. This actually represents the people who still their hearts are hardened. So they may hear the word and react to the word and they appear, they are excited about the word of God. But because of the hardened hearts, when they face any tribulations, or hardships, they immediately actually stood against God and rebel against God. Saint Cyril commented on the first and second kinds of soil, and he said, No sacred or divine word will be able to enter those who have minds that are hard and unyielding. So if my heart and my mind are hardened and not willing to yield, no sacred and no divine word will enter my heart or my mind. For it is by the aid of such words that the joyful fruit of virtue, of virtue can grow. If I allow the word of God, the pure word of God, to enter into my heart and my mind, 
I will bear fruit. But if not, then how can I bear fruit? Men of this kind are highways that are trodden by unclean spirits and by Satan himself. So he is saying, if I have hardened heart and unyielding mind, then actually the unclean spirit will trodden the heart of this person and Satan himself will trodden the heart of this person. And they shall never be producers of holy fruit because their hearts are trial and unfaithful. Then the third type, verse 7, uh, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So, the third type of land, it is full of thorns and shrubs. So, it is not clearly cleaned and the, the thorns are not destroyed. So here we can imagine how the thorns are growing with the grain. And the thorns actually crowded around the grain, shaded it, and actually exhausted the soil. And finally choked the grain, strangled it, suffocated the growing plant. And this represents a person whose heart actually is preoccupied with the world and its pleasures and its worries and its riches. Yes, he may hear the word of God, but because of the cares of the world, because of the riches of the world and the pleasures of the world, the word of God will be choked and will not grow and produce any fruit. The fourth type of land is the good ground, which is a fertile and rich soil. And the goodness of this last soil consists in its qualities, being precisely the reverse of the other three soils. It doesn't have any thorn, it doesn't have any stones, and also it is not like the way sight. It is not hard or stony or weedy. And here we have some seed produced 30-fold, other produced 60-fold, and others produced 100-fold. The difference of the fruits is the difference of the merits here and the reward hereafter. So some people actually will produce more fruit than others. It depends on the gifts of the Spirit, what are the gifts they, they received from God, and also it depends on their dedication and commitment 
and how faithful they are using these gifts in their life. After the Lord finished the first parable, he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Actually, by saying this, he was urging them to understand the meaning of the parable, to see beyond the word. Because as I told you, the parable is events from our daily life to inspire actually uh, deeper thoughts on the kingdom of heaven. Uh, verse 10 And the disciples came and said to him Why do you speak to them in parables? So here a very important question Why God used parables? But before we understand the answer This is the third discourse So God in the beginning he spoke plainly with them and after the second discourse, he decided to speak in parables. Uh, and actually, God who speaks in the scripture and who gives us the parables is also the one who will make us understand what is written in this parable. Uh, and the answer when they asked him why do you speak in parables he told them in verse 11 he answered and said to them because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it has not been given what does this mean what does this mean to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to others it was not given. God has granted knowledge to the disciples because they have receptive hearts. They were actually uh, humble uh, and they, are, they were open and willing to accept the teaching of Christ. But God concealed the truth from the proud. He reveals the truth only to the little and the humble. Do you remember do you remember the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, Father, I give thanks to you because you have hidden these things from the proud and uh, the prudent and the proud and you have revealed them to the babes and the little children? So, God concealed the truth from the proud and the prudent, but he revealed them to his disciples because they were humble. Uh, in this parable, the parable of the sower, we know that God gave his word to everybody, but he gave his word in a concealed way to the proud and he gave his word in a plain way to the humble. But if you think about it this way, the seeds fell on the four types of ground. 
then God actually sent his word to everybody. But he concealed the truth from the proud and he revealed the truth to the humble. So when we approach the kingdom, when we approach the gospel of Christ, we need to approach it in a humble way. And when we approach the word of God in a humble way, the mystery of the kingdom will be revealed to us. As it is written, the mystery of God is revealed to, to those who fear him. The mystery of God is revealed to those who fear him. Uh, and if my heart is like a rock, or if my heart is like the wayside, or if my heart is full of thorns, but it is possible with God to remove the rock and the stones from my heart. It's possible for God actually to change my heart to a good fertile land if it is a wayside. And actually it is possible for God to remove the thorns from my heart if I approach him in a humble way. Uh, so why God spoke to the people in parables? Because they did not approach him humbly. But the disciples, he did not speak to them in parables because of their response to the gift of the grace of God. They were more receptive and more willing to uh, receive the grace of God. Uh, then the Lord said in verse 12, For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will, not, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Maybe it is opposite what we expect. We expect we should take from him who has to give him who does not have. But here actually the Lord is saying the opposite. Whoever has to him, more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Here the Lord actually is not speaking about uh, our positions or our uh, materialistic position. No, he's not speaking about this. But he is speaking about those who are making spiritual progress. So those who have are those who made spiritual progress. Then actually God will give them more and more because they are more receptive to the word of God and they are growing spiritually. But those who listen to the word of God with a closed and critical heart, that's why they don't have any spiritual progress. Even the little that they had will be taken away from them, which means they will fail to understand of the significance of the teaching of Christ. 
So, those who have no desire to those who have no desire for spiritual knowledge shall, shall lose even their capacity for spiritual life. Again, those who have no desire for spiritual knowledge, they will lose even their capacity for spiritual life. Those who do not have even the little that they had will be taken away from them. Uh, but whoever uses his opportunities will grow and actually God will give him more and more abundantly. And who, whoever abuses his opportunities at the end he will lose them. Verse 13 Therefore I speak to them in parables. Now he is explaining again in more detail why he is speaking in parables. Because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear nor do they understand. Seeing which means they were given the opportunity to see. God did not withhold this opportunity from them. But actually he gave them the opportunity to see. But when they saw, they were blinded. And when they heard, as if they did not hear, nor they understood. And the Lord said, verse, the Bible says in verse 14, And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Why the Lord here is quoting Isaiah? And these verses are in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and verse 10. Actually, as I told you, Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews. That's why any mention of the prophecy from the Old Testament, he used it in order actually to say that there is a fulfillment of this prophecy. So that's the first reason. The Lord quoted Isaiah because this quote is a, it was fulfilled in the time of the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. And also, the second reason, lest anyone suppose that the word of Christ are just mere accusation. And they would call him their enemy. And they will say, because he is our enemy, then he is speaking against us and insulting us. That's why he told them, even before I say this, Isaiah the prophet prophesied about you. And he said, hearing you will hear, but you don't understand. And seeing you will see, and you do not perceive. So here Isaiah described a spiritual state that existed in the time of Christ. 
during his ministry. And unfortunately, until now, we can see people who hear, but they don't understand, and they see, and they don't perceive. They cannot understand the gospel, and they don't repent, because their heart was hardened by the love of the world. What makes a person hear but without understanding and see but without perceiving? Verse 15 is the answer. For the hearts of these people have grown dull. That is the reason. The hearts of these people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them so here the Lord is summarizing the reason why many times we hear but without understanding and we see without perceiving the reason because our heart is hardened. And what makes the heart hardened? It is actually the love of sin. One of three things, either our ego or materialism or love of pleasure. These three things makes our heart or make our hearts hardened. Ego and pride, riches of the world, pleasures of the world. That's why they intentionally, as the Lord said, they have closed their eyes and their ears are hard of hearing because they, they refuse to see and they refuse to hear lest they should understand and turn to me. So they are in a state of rebellion. They don't want to, to return to God. Because returning to God means giving up our pride, giving up love of money, giving up love of pleasure. And they are not willing to do this. They don't want to return to God because they are not willing to give up their pride or their, the love of money or the love of pleasure. That's why they see and hear, but don't understand and don't perceive because their hearts have grown dull. So, it is possible for them, if they turn it to God, to be saved, but they refuse to do this. Uh, God gives them equal opportunity, as I told you, they saw and they heard, but they inten uh, intentionally they did not perceive and they did not understand. That's why St. John Chrysostom, he said, For if it had not been his will that they should hear and be saved, he ought to have been silent. If God didn't want these people to be saved, he would be silent to them, but he spoke to them, but they did not hear. They 
turned their uh, hearing away from, the, from him. And John, St. John Chrysostom continues and said, nor to have spoken in parables. The fact he spoke to them in parables, he wanted them to hear and to understand. But now, by this very thing, he stirs them up, even by speaking under a veil. So, even if he is speaking in parables, like under a veil, but he is trying to move their hearts, to say, what is the meaning of this? Let explain to us this parable. Because, as St. John Christum said, for God does not will the death of a sinner, but rather that he should return to him and live. Then the Lord turned to his disciples and told them, verse 16, But blessed are your eyes for they see, and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So here actually we have three groups. One group did not see and did not hear. These are the prophets and the righteous men of the Old Testament. Second group, they saw and they heard, but they turned a deaf ear and a blind eye. And the third group, those who saw and heard and accepted the message of Christ. That's why the Lord told them, Blessed are your eyes for they see. You are not refusing to see. And blessed are your ears for they hear. So here actually the Lord told them, because you are willing to see and willing to hear, you are blessed not only above the second group, those who see but cannot perceive and hear, but cannot understand, but also you are blessed more than the first group, the righteous and holy men of the Old Testament. Because these people, they did not see, they did not hear. They had only glimpse of the things of the new kingdom. It was just sufficient to kindle in them desires, not to be fulfilled in their days, but later on in the New Testament. The prophets and righteous men, they lived and died in the faith of the promised Messiah, but they did not see him. But the disciples saw him and heard him. And here actually the Lord connecting Old Testament with New Testament, Old Economy with New con Economy, by signifying that those prophet and righteous men did not only knew things to come, God revealed these things to them, but also they greatly desired them. As he told them, 
many prophets and righteous men desired. Desired means they hoped, they wished to live in the time of Christ, but they did not see it and they did not hear it. Uh, and actually this part, we pray it in the litany of the gospel. So every time before we listen to the gospel, the church is reminding us, definitely you are not from the first group. Those who desire to see and to hear, but they did not see or heard. So, are you from the second group or the third group? Second group, those who saw and heard, but without perceiving and without understanding. Third group, those like the disciples, they saw and heard and they were receptive to the word of God. Which kind of land you are? Are you like the wayside or the stony land or the land full of thorns. Then from verse 18, the Lord actually explained to them the meaning of the parable of the sower. He told them, therefore hear the parable of the sower. In order to understand the parable, we must listen to God and we must listen to the Holy Spirit inside us. Then he told them the explanation. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. So we start explaining the wayside. But before we comment on this, who is the sower here? The sower is Christ. And also his apostles. And also his servants, whom he sent forth to preach. Uh, so they are sowers under him. He is the great sower, but all of us are sowers under him. The seed is his word, the gospel of the kingdom. And the soil is the human heart. The wayside hearer, the Lord this said about them, those who hear, but they don't understand. So actually, the evil one comes and snatches the word from their hearts. So, why he doesn't understand? It is because of the complexity of the message? No. Actually, in our life, we studied many books and understood many books more difficult than the Bible. So why a person hears the word and does not understand it? It is because of the carelessness, because of inattentiveness. I don't pay attention. And actually, I listen to the word of God in carelessness. Because I'm negligent and forgetful about the word of God. So my heart is like open road. 
where evil affections, foolish and hurtful desires continually pass and repass and repass without even taking permission, without notice, without any boundary or restraining from my side. There is no guards. I'm not guarding my heart. I'm not guarding my senses. I'm not guarding my mind. Although the Bible teaches us above everything, guard your heart. Because from the heart comes the springs of life. So the word of God does not make any impression on him. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Verse 20, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So he hears the word and he actually receives the word with joy. Yet, because of the little soil, little dirt, he has no root in himself but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So the stony hearer is the one that exhibits a temporary feeling at the appeal of the gospel. He responds immediately. But Upon him there is no permanent impression. It is transient impression, not permanent impression. Uh, those who are caught with it as something new or pleasing, who profess to be greatly delighted with it, and who are full of zeal for it. So they say, I am delighted with the word of God I'm happy and you can see there is zeal in his heart but they are not true Christian their hearts are not changed they are not really attached to the gospel so maybe they are attracted to a new word a new message something pleasing but not to the true uh, so their heart is not truly changed by the word of God and you will see them during the time of tribulations. They drift away. They will not be steadfast. They cannot endure any hardship or tribulations. So if a person is committed to the church or committed to his service, but once there is hardship or tribulation, he's drifting away, then his heart is like a stony heart. He's a stony hearer. Verse 22, now he who receives, received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. The thorns are three things, either the worries and the cares of the world or the pleasures of the world, or the riches of the world. So here actually, they will receive the word, but the heart 
is preoccupied with the worldly cares. So we call them the world serving hearers. So they hear the word of God, but their heart is serving the world. So these persons hear the word, but they don't love God above everything else. God is not their first priority. The secular world pulls them away from their faith. That's why they bear no good fruits at all. The last soil is a good one, verse 23. But he who received the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands, so who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirsty. The good soil is the good and honest heart, the heart that receives and retains the truth. In such a heart, the seed will grow and the new life will be manifest. You can see a real change, a real transformation in this person. A heart that submits itself to the full influence of the truth of the word of God. Actually, this heart will carry and will bear fruits hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. So here in summary, three things are needful to bear fruit. The sower, the good seed, which means the pure word of God, not adulterated, the pure word of God and a good and honest heart. So if these three things uh, exist, then I will bear fruit in my heart. But a dishonest man cannot be changed until he casts out his dishonesty. And he who resists and deceitfully declare the word of God will not uh, profit anything. Then the Lord told them another parable, uh, verse 24, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The man here is God, and the field here is the world, and God only is sowing good seed. But while men slept, and I want you to pay attention, men slept, not the sower, not the man who sowed good seed, because God never sleeps. But when men, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. The object of, of all the parable is to explain various features and principles about the kingdom of heaven. The first one, he explained the type, the four types of the soil. In this one, actually, there is another feature about the kingdom of God. 
And that's what we will understand. But in this parable, the kingdom of God is not linked to the field because the field has tears in it. So this is not the kingdom of God. And actually is not linked to uh, the men who slept. But the kingdom of God is linked to the man who was sowing good seed in his field. That is God. So, the kingdom of God here means that God is planting in the whole world good seed. He sows good seed. Uh, but while men slept, an enemy, Satan, came and planted tears among the uh, wheat. Uh, the men here represent either ourselves or either the servants of the church. If we said the, the kingdom here is the church, the field is the church, so we as servants, while we are sleeping and we are not paying attention, so the enemy will plant uh, tears among the wheat. Sleeping here means spiritually asleep. They are they lukewarm. And the enemy here is the enemy of Christ and the enemy of the church. It is Satan who comes actually and so seed. So here we will find the church having wheat, the children of God, but also tears which are the children of the wicked one, the children of Satan, the children of our enemy and our adversary. And you should not be surprised when you see the church have both. The church of God has both wheat and tears. Many people are surprised. How come there are tears in the church? as he want actually to pluck these tears out. But let us see how God actually replied to this. Verse 26, But when the grain, the children of God, had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tears also appeared. So the servants of the owner, the Sunday school servants, the clergy, came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tears? So, by some means or another, Satan gets into the church and plants tears in the church. At the beginning, these people look like the wheat, look like true believers. They have the form of godliness. They have the appearance of the grace. 
but actually little by little they will be discovered as unfruitful unprofitable unprofitable and with no uh, account so they asked God how come this happened in the church so in verse 28 he told them an enemy has done this the servant said to him do you want us then to go and gather them up but he said no lest while you gather up the tears you also uproot the wheat with them uh, in verse 25 this enemy after he planted the tears we read he went his way what does it mean he went his way mean he went somewhere else to another church to do more harm to plant tears somewhere else so satan actually is going from one church to another church undiscovered unnoticed while people are asleep while people are lukewarm in order actually to plant tears while we don't have a spirit of discerning so the tears start to grow and the servants who have the spirit of discernment they were able to distinguish between the children of god and the children of the wicked one and i want you to notice that there is no thought that the tears injured the wheat or harmed the wheat not at all and actually god allowed both to grow together definitely if there is any harm from them god will ask uh, the, the servants to remove them but god allowed both to grow together as he allowed judas to be among the 12 disciples the, the servants were able to distinguish and we as god's servants we should have the spirit of discernment in order to be able to discern between the children of god and the children of the wicked one not in a judgmental way but in a discerning spirit that we may guide those who are not the children of god we may guide them to repentance we may guide them to come and turn to christ and be transformed so here observing the tears the servants observing there are tears growing and fearing the danger uh, the wheat was in by them and troubled by seeing the tears they went and asked the sower what happened let us remove them which means a faithful and a vigilant servant of god will not fail to discover any evil 
and to lament it, to cry over it. Then he, as he went to the sower, asking him what they should do, when we discover anyone like this, we need to go to God and ask him what we should do in prayer. And what is the reason behind it? Many times we try to act by our own will. But here the servants, they went to the sower, asked him. They told him what they wanted to do. But by calling him sir, which means Lord, they are willing to submit to his will and willing to submit to his uh, direction. Uh, so they were submissive uh, servants with sincerity of their hearts under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what's our attitude when we see people are drifting away? Many times we don't have any anxiety in our hearts, no sorrow in our hearts about them. We're just being insensitive even to their presence. But the faithful servant should develop this anxiety in his heart about these people, as St. Paul said, who becomes weak and I don't become weak. So he feels for them. When somebody gets weaker and weaker, St. Paul himself, he said, I feel as if it is me who is getting weaker and weaker. Uh, and by their question to the sower, uh, how come you planted only good uh, seed? How come we find tears here? This question implies what? Implies that they did not expect anything bad from Christ. Only what is good to come for Christ. No bad seed, no tears could be of his sowing. That's why they came surprised. Then actually, his answer was a kind of surprise to them. He told them, don't remove the tears. And here his answer goes with his mission. God said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. He did not come to block out the tears, but to give opportunity to the tears to repent and return back to him. As long as the time of harvest did not come yet, then it is time of salvation, not time of condemnation. And many of us who don't understand this, many of us will say, why the church is so patient on these people? Why they endure them? Why they give them opportunity after opportunity? Because we are in the time of salvation. In every divine liturgy you hear, and he appointed a day for recompense in which he will appear in the future to judge the world in righteousness. So this time is not time to pluck out the tears. This time is not time to condemn the tears. It is time actually of salvation, to save. Compare his answer to the answer that he said to John and James, when 
the city of Samaria refused to accept him. So they came and told him, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? God told them the Son of Man did not come to destroy the world, but to save the world. So, big difference between how God deals with sinners, even the unrepentant sinners here on earth, and how we want to deal with them. Big, big difference between the Savior who came to save the world and we who become judgmental and condemning others. Uh, so, he gives them time. Maybe they would change. Maybe uh, they would, would repent. And I want you to notice in this parable that the tears would not spoil the true wheat. And in the time of harvest, it would be easy to separate them. As we read in verse uh, 30, uh, 29, but he said, No, lest while you gather up the tears, you also uproot the wheat with them. Maybe when you condemn somebody, maybe you will falsely condemn uh, a righteous person. And you excommunicate him. And maybe he's righteous. So this time is not time of condemnation. Let both grow together until the harvest, the end of the world. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, to the angels, first gather together the tears and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So actually here, the Lord is saying, God will separate them, and God will send his angels to take and gather the wheat together and gather the tears together. Hypocrites and deceived person, they will be actually uh, condemned in the harvest, but not right now. That's why we should expect to see in the church some people who are not walking according to the law of God. Yes, it is the work of the enemy, but Christ himself will separate them at the proper time. It is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to distinguish them and lead them to repentance. And even, even if we take any disciplinary action with them, the discipline, the purpose of discipline is not condemnation or judgment, but to lead them to repentance. So all the canons of the church, as St. Paul when he disciplined the sinner in Corinth, he was very clear. He excommunicated him that he, his soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. So any discipline done by the church, its purpose is repentance and salvation, not condemnation and not judgment. When the harvest time, it is the time of uh, separation. The tears actually, 
uh, at that time can easily be sifted out from the wheat. And uh, they will be burned out. The prayers of repenting sinners are never despised by God. So like the thief, when he prayed to God, remember me, O Lord, when you come to your kingdom, God accepted his prayers. So God in his mercy gives the sinner every chance to repent their sins and turn back to a fruitful relationship with God. Uh, God actually will not visit any judgment upon the sinner until the last breath the sinner takes in this life. So he will give the sinner opportunity until his last breath. So if God gives him opportunity until his last breath, how can we condemn him earlier or sooner than this? So we are taught also by this example not to cut off too hastily a fallen brother. For whatever he may be today or tomorrow, uh, perhaps he may see his error and embrace the truth. That's what St. Jerome said. St. Augustine said also, sometimes the person who have been corrupted and perverted will return to the path of virtue and truth. Let therefore both grow until the harvest, to the day of judgment, when the power of rectifying one another shall be no more existing. So here today we studied two parables from the seven parables of the kingdom. In the first parable, God actually explained to us the four types of the soil of our hearts. The second parable, God actually gave us a, a vision about the church. We expect to find in the church wheat and tars. And we are not to remove the tars. We can discipline them, but not to condemn and remove them until the harvest day, until the day of judgment. So as long as there is... Uh, Time here on earth, they should be given opportunity to repent. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.